we surely thank the Lord for allowing us to come back. And so as we get started this morning, let's pray and ask the Lord to be with us and speak uh, so that he will speak and not can. Father, we thank you so much for tonight. God, we thank you for the word this morning, and God, we're so grateful for your presence, for your power, for your word. And God, I pray that tonight, God, Ken won't be heard, but God, you'll be heard through your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 21. 2 Samuel chapter 21. But before I begin, I love to share about my family. I love to share about how God has just honored all of his promises, you know, just like we just sang, and God has just been so amazing in every area of my life. And one of those areas that he's been such a blessing is my wife, Luana. We've been married for 27 years. And I don't know if I've ever told you guys the story of how I engaged or, yeah, how I proposed to Luana. So this is how it goes. And I'm glad my mother-in-law is here because she's included in the story. Well, we were going to a church in Jacksonville and Luana was going there faithfully. We had just got back on our, you know, walk in maturity in Christ, and Luana was going to the church, and so I started going, and I was still in the service, and so when I would come home, I would come visit the church and just develop this really great relationship with the pastor, and, uh, and so we just started coming, and I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, I'm about to ship off again, so I need to propose, and it's got to be big. It can't be small. It's got to be big. It's it cannot be a no even in the equation. This has got to be big. So I go to the pastor. He's in his office preparing for the message. I said, Pastor, I've got something to ask. I said, I want to propose to Lawana after the service. He did not say, did you pray about this? He did not say, does Luana know about it? He said, did you ask her mother what you're getting ready to do? <laughs> and so in the, right before the beginning of service, they went and got my mother-in-law and they brought her in there. And she is looking like, what in the world am I doing in the pastor's office? And what are you doing in the pastor's office? <laughs> and so he began to tell her, well, Ken is here and he wants to proposed to your daughter, and I think out of the side of my eye, I saw him do like this when he said that, so he didn't get hit. Well, my mother-in-law said yes, and so I said, okay, it's on. I got it. I got the ring ready. I got the speech ready. I'm going to do it. It's going down. And so at the end of service, pastor finished preaching an eloquent message. Everybody was hearing from the Lord, and he says, I don't normally do this, but Ken, would you come on down? I looked at Luana. I said, come on, let's go down. He, she said, no, he called you. He didn't call me. I said, you're included in this. <laughs> come on down. So Luana came down. And uh, when she came down, I got down on one knee right in front of the church. And I said, because we want the Lord to be our foundation, I want to do this somewhere where the Lord is honored. 
and he's pleased. So right there in front of the 1,500 people of that congregation, I proposed to my wife. And on June 29th, 1996, we got married, and so we've been married for 27 years. You can show that picture there. There it is. That's a beautiful picture. I got some little fuzz on my lip like I've been eating Oreo cookies before the <laughs> wedding. And like you, I'm wondering how in the world did I get a woman so beautiful and so awesome, but the Lord has blessed me. Not only has he blessed me with a wonderful wife, blessed me with a wonderful mother-in-law. I don't know about your mother-in-law, but I love my mother-in-law. She is one of my biggest fans, and I'm so grateful for her and for both of them. And so when I look at that and I li listen to that story, God honors promises. Promises. That day, I stood in front of a, congreg a congregation, and I made a promise to the Lord and to my wife to be faithful to love, to honor, to care for them. That does not mean it's been easy the entire time, but I made a promise to be faithful. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 4 through 7, it says this, When you make a vow to God, do not be late in paying it. For he takes no delight in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Do not let your speech cause you to sin and do not say in the presence of the messenger of God that it was a mistake. I should have never done that. That was the Ken version. That's not in scripture. Why should God be angry on account of your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For in many dreams and in many words, there is emptiness. Rather, fear God. And so as I looked, about, looked at the scripture and I started thinking about, you know, our relationship and just walking through that and just kind of the good times, because when it was good, it was good. But we did have our difficult times. You see, most of you know the fireproof Ken, but I am not always been the fireproof Ken. <laughs> you know the courageous Ken. I have not always been the courageous Ken. See, every now and then that bad Ken, he want to stick his head right on out there. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I've got to deny the old self and take up the new self. And through that, I've got to keep the promises that I've made. But what happens in your life when you're not able to keep those promises? What happens when something, that ha something happens that is not of your fault or anything? How do you reconcile that relationship? And I would tell you, it is not just one thing inside of that relationship, you have to do two things. You have to reconcile with God and reconcile with man when you fail to keep your promises. And so 2 Samuel chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, gives a good description of this. And so I'm going to read verses 1 through 14, if you have them in your Bible. And this is what it says. Now, there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year. And David sought the presence of the Lord. And David said, it is for Saul and his bloody house because he has put the Gibeonites to death. So the king called the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Now, the Gibeonites were not the sons of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites. And the sons of Israel made a covenant with them. But Saul had sought to kill them in his zeal for the sons of Israel. 
and Judah. Thus David said to the Gibeonites, what should I do for you and how can I make atonement that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? Then the Gibeonites said to him, we have no concern of silver or gold with Saul or his house, nor is it for us to put any man to death in Israel. And he said, I will do, it for, I will do whatever you say. So they said to the king, the man who consumed us and who planned to exterminate us from remaining within any border of Israel, let seven men from his sons be given to us, and we will hang them before the Lord of Gibeah of Saul. And chosen, the chosen of the Lord. And the king said, I will give them. And verse 7 says, But the king spared Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because of the oath of the Lord which was between them, when David and Saul's son Jonathan. So the king took the sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah, uh, Armoni, and Mephibosheth, whom she had borne to Saul, and the five sons of Meribah, the daughter of Saul, whom she had borne to Adriel, the son of Barzilla and the Mithronite, and he gave them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them in the mount before the Lord, so that the seven of them fell together, and they were put to death in the first days of the harvest, at the beginning of, barley har of the barley harvest. And Rizpah, the daughter of Ea, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on the rock, from the beginning of the harvest until it rained on them from the sky, and she allowed neither the birds of the sky to rest on them by day nor by night, nor the beast of the night by field, uh, beast of the field by night. Excuse me. And when it was told David what Rizpah the daughter of Aiah, the concubine of Saul, had done, then David went and took the bones of Saul, and the bones of Jonathan and his sons from the men of Jabesh Gilead who had stolen them from the open square of Bethshan, where the Philistines had, had hanged them on the day that the Philistines struck down Saul and Gilboa, he brought up the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his sons, from there. And they gathered the bones from those who had been hanged. Verse 14, they buried the bones of Saul and Jonathan, his son, in the, in the country of Benjamin and Zelah. In the grave of Kish his father, thus they did all that the king commanded. And after that, God was moved by prayer for the land. After reading this passage, I had to ask myself the question, what stands between me and God? And when I ask that question, I have this in mind, you know, there are some things in your life that just won't get right. If you've ever had something that just keeps happening over and over and over, and it seems like the more you pray about it, the more you talk about it, the worse it gets. There are relationships in your life, the more you try to reconcile these relationships, the worse and worse they get. And so you're trying to figure out what is going on here. And it's almost like in our city in Albany, Georgia, it's like, God, why do you keep sending storms to this city over and over and over? I've never been anywhere like this. And then it started making sense. In not all cases, but in some cases, you see it very clearly here in Scripture. 
God knows there is an unreconciled or a wrong that has been done. He's saying, before I move you any further, this relationship must be righted. Wow. When I looked at that portion of scripture, I started asking, have I made any promises that I couldn't keep? Is there any secret sin in my life that I continue to hide away? Have I reconciled with those who I have wronged and who have wronged me? And that doesn't mean that I'm going to be perfect. But as the Holy Spirit has revealed these things in my life, have I confessed them and repented of these sins? Amen? And so as I'm reading this scripture, you know, I'm thinking, I'm like, man, God, so God, what are some real tangible uh, things from 2023 that, you know, I can, can look at and see, God? I say, I see this in scripture, but God, what, what in my life can I see right now? Or what about when people continue to get divorces in your family? And you're saying, God, another one and another one. God, what is happening? Or, or people, unwed people continue to have children outside of wedlock. God, what is happening? Or people continue to get divorces in your family. You're like, God, what is happening in my life? What is happening in my family? What's happening in my city? Is there a wrong that needs to be righted in your sight, God? And as believers, we need to start asking the question, God, what is it? So as we look at the pages of Scripture, we see David do this exact thing. As a matter of fact, in verse number 1, you see in 2 Samuel chapter 21, this is what you see. Now there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year, and David sought the presence of the Lord. And I can almost imagine what David was going through. He's like, this isn't normal. I've seen God's hand move. I've seen him, you know, do miraculous works in our life. I've seen God do some incredible things, but this is something that I haven't seen. God, something is wrong. The fellowship has been broke. Something is wrong here, and I need to understand what that is. And David realized in his life there was something missing. So here's another question. Are you coming to church, reading your word, and you're like, man, something's missing. This isn't, this isn't like it used to be. You know, the songs don't move me anymore. The, you know, when I, even when I'm reading the Word, I get easily distracted. There, there's something that is taking the place or stopping me from really fully getting into the presence of God. And I would offer you sometimes that those are unreconciled relationships. Listen to this. When I look at this scripture also, David never sought the material resources to get him through this time of famine, okay? He never saw, you don't hear that in Scripture. Now, he may have said it, but it's not here in Scripture. So the Scripture doesn't say David starts seeking the Lord for more resources during the famine. It says that David sought the presence of the Lord, and this word talks about to seek the face 
to seek, to, to actually seek the face of God and say, God, I need to know what is going on in my life, in my family, in my kingdom. There is something that's stopping your presence from being here. And so, Lord, I'm going to stand in your face. I am right here 24-7, God, until you give me an answer. And I will submit to you, we need to do that individually. We need to do that for our families. And we definitely need to do it for our city. God, what is it? What is going on here, God, that you are not pleased with, God? This, this doesn't happen every day. This doesn't happen everywhere. I know things happen. It rains on the just and it rains on the unjust. But God, this is just too much. Something here, some fellowship or relationship has been broken. And God, can you please show us what it is so that we can lay it before the altar and confess and repent and get it right before you? And so in the first verse, you see David is continuously seeking the Lord, continuously seeking the Lord, not only just seeking the Lord, but seeking the presence of the Lord. Isn't it ironic? We just talked about this this morning. And I'll tell you, Pastor Paula had an incredible message laid out, all the illustrations, Pretty pictures, y'all may see them later on, somewhere down the road. <laughs> Sermon was all laid out. I went to the prayer tower and said, Lord, I think this is the message that you want for your people. But Lord, would you confirm? He says, that's not it. He says, I want you to write this. And as he started speaking, I started writing. The presence of the Lord. Do you see it here? Because there was a broken relationship, the presence of the Lord can leave a place because we haven't did or sought the Lord for what he desires for us to do. There's another scripture. So when we seek the Lord and we're asking and continuously staying before the face of God and asking, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11 says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you whom when his son asks for a loaf, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake. Will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him. Ask the Lord. Sometimes you are, you know, your old, like Pastor Paul talked about this morning, your old family church. And now you go there and it's not much of a church anymore. You need to start pleading and asking the Lord, what's going on here, Lord? Why is your presence, why aren't you no longer here? God, what is going on here? Lord, help me to pray and intercede for the people of this church. Number two, point number two, this is the good part. Realize that you may be far removed from the situation. What do you mean by that? 
Well, sometimes the presence of the Lord will leave, but it has nothing at all to do with you. In the scripture, David had nothing to do with this. This was all Saul's doing. There was a promise made. If you look back in the scriptures in, jo in, in, in Joshua chapter 9, thank you, Joshua chapter 9, you will see in this portion of scripture, David makes a promise. He makes a promise. Uh, and so you, I'm sorry, Joshua makes the promise. And so he makes this promise to the Gibeonites. Hey, we won't harm you. You know, I know you fooled us. You know, you came in here, you're looking tattered and soiled and different things like this. But guess what? We're going to keep you. We're going we're to spare your life. But Saul went back and he actually started exterminating the Gibeonites. But when God told, when David went to God, God said, this is your problem. They broke a promise that they made a long time ago. And he says, listen, and I want you to be the one to make it right. I can imagine David said, look, I ain't got nothing to do with this. This is none of my fault. He did this a long time ago, and God, you have taken care of this. <laughs> God, I, you know, I, leave me out. But David didn't say that. He says, all right, God, I'll, I'll take care of it. And sometimes there may have been things that have happened in your family, Things that have happened in your, your city that you have not, you weren't even here when it happened. But God says, hey, I want you to intercede in prayer to help make things right. Is it hard? Absolutely. But God calls us as his children to help make things right, not for our own sake, but for his name's sake. He wants all people everywhere to know in our family, we keep our promises. We keep our promises. And in the name of Christian should be synonymous with keeping promises. There is no way the divorce rate in church should be the same as it is in the world. We keep our promises. There's no way the number of people being incarcerated should be the same as it is in the world. We keep our promises, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. We keep our promises. Even in this, you see Job in chapter 1, verses 5. It says this, And when the days of feasting had completed their cycle, Job would sin and consecrate them, rising up early in the morning, offering burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, Perhaps my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continuously. You see Job interceding on behalf of his sons and daughters. And I would encourage you, we need to do the same thing, interceding on behalf of our city, our family, and those that are close to us. Point number three. Point number three. In the verses, I also see that David is immediate in his response. Immediate in his response. Look at what the verse reads in verse 2. It says, so the king called the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Now the Gibeonites were not of the sons of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites, and the sons of Israel made a covenant with them. But Saul had sought to kill them in his zeal for the sons of Israel and Judah. Thus David said to the Gibeonites, what should I do for you? And how can I make atonement? 
that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord. He says, listen, I need to make this right. I need to make this right. One of my favorite pastors is Pastor Tom Ellis. I love listening to him preach. And so there was a story that he told when he was here at Sherwood some time ago. So I called him just to make sure I could verify it, make sure I get the story straight. Well, he told this story about him going to all of his children. He had been studying about the faithfulness of God and God keeping his promises. And he says, since I'm a man of God and I want to, 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 to model my life after a disciple of Christ, I want to do the same. I want to make sure I keep my promises. So he goes to all of his children who are now either teenage or grown at the moment. And he says, have I ever uh, not fulfilled a promise to you? And so they're like, Dad, you know, Dad, this is, this is good. And so he goes through each one of them, and they're like, no, no, Dad. And, and he goes to his son, John. He says, John, have I ever made a promise to you that I didn't keep? He says, Dad, you know, it, it's been a long time, Dad. You don't, you know. He's like, did I ever make a promise to you? He said, yeah, yeah, but this one time. But, Dad, you know, you can't feel it. He said, what was it? He said, well, Dad, you know, when we were, we were living in Africa on the mission field, you told me you'd take me on a big game hunt. And now, since we're out of Africa, you know, there's no chance of doing that. Dad, I forgive you. You know, it's water under the bridge. He says, no, I'm going to be a man of my promises. So he got on the phone immediately and he called some people that were in Zimbabwe and he made some phone calls and they were, and one of the pastors says, hey, you know what, Tom, I'm glad you called me. Man, you know, I've got, I've got some uh, some." a uh, conference coming up. Would you mind coming to speak? He was like, absolutely. When you want me. He said, next week, can you do that? He said, absolutely. So he gets on the phone with another friend that has a, a wildlife, you know, safari type thing. And he says, hey, you know, Tom, how you doing? And, and Tom says, hey, I'm going to be there. And he said, hey, I would love for you to come. I would love for you to come out and hunt, you and your son. And so, and so in one week's time, he calls his son, John, and says, John, guess where we're going? We're going to Africa. They get on a plane. They fly to Africa. And man, for one week, they have some of the best time. They're out shooting game. And I mean, just all kind of incredible. Just having a good time. Some good father-son time. He says, and at the last, at the last minute, he said, they were out skinning some animals. And, and all of a sudden, they looked at one another and they said, the plane, just like the little guy tattooed from, from <laughs> and they almost forgot that they had to go get on the plane. So they ran as fast as they could. They got blood and everything on them. And so they ran and got the clothes together, boom, got on the plane and they're headed back. And, and it's dark on the plane and they're just sitting talking, just kind of reminiscing about the week. Man, man, this was incredible. Dad, I mean, this was just beyond my expectations. We had such a great time. And he says, well, John, he says, you know, I know you're getting ready to get out of high school. He says, have you thought about what you're going to do? And you know what he said? He says, Dad, he said, I thought about it. He says, I would like to serve with you for the rest of my life. He said he could about flipped out of that plane. But the response that he received, was in the midst of him keeping his promises. Fathers and mothers who are called by the name of Christ 
keep your promises. You never know what the Lord has a desire to do in and through you when you're faithful to what he's called you to do. So after I looked at that story, heard that story, and I thought about this, we show our love for God and we show our love for people when we immediately attempt to reconcile relationships. We show our love for God and people when we immediately attempt to reconcile relationships. 2 John 1, 6 says this, and this is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it, keeping your promises. Point number four. Point number four. Take caution not to dishonor God to reconcile the relationship. Take caution not to dishonor God to reconcile the relationship. It almost sounds like an oxymoron. But when you are in the middle of reconciling a relationship, don't break another covenant to now fix this relationship. Does that make sense? And so this actually comes when you look at 2 Samuel chapter 9. You can write this down to go back and take a look at this. And so David, uh, this is what the scripture reads. Then David said, is there anyone yet left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called to him to David and, and the king and said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, is there... You're not yet anyone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God. And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is crippled in both feet. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, uh, behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel of Lodibar. Then the king David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Amiel from Lodibar. Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he said, here is your servant. David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father Jonathan and will restore to you all the land of your grandfather Saul, and you shall eat at my table regularly. Again, he prostrated himself. Now, the reason I'm uh, repeating this scripture to you is because this is the promise that David made to Mephibosheth. Now, when they asked, when the children or when the Gibeonites asked for somebody, Mephibosheth was actually one of those sons that they could have killed. But David says, wait a minute, I've made a promise. There are other kids and we will turn those over to you. And so when you're looking at reconciling a relationship, don't break other covenants that you've made to help reconcile this relationship. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, if at, at all possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Try to make sure you're at peace with everyone. And then the last one. Well, actually, I have two more. Last point, number five. Show mercy 
to the hurting. Show mercy to the hurting. Now, I love this scripture because here in this particular verses 10 through 13, you see David, as he turns the children of Saul over to the Gibeonites, he notices or he was told that one of the ladies is grieving because of the death. Now, he could have turned his back and went the other way. He could have said, you know what? Hey, <laughs> hey, your grandfather did this or your, or your husband did this. You know, it's all on your head. But he didn't do that. He still had mercy on her. When you are reconciling relationships, make sure you don't further damage people when you go in to help reconcile a relationship. Have mercy. Listen to what this says. Now, Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, took sackcloth and spread it out for herself on the rock and from the beginning of harvest until it rained on them from the sky. And she allowed neither the birds of the sky to rest on them by day, nor the beasts of the field by night. And when it was told to David what Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, the concubine of Saul, had done, then David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from the men of Jabesh-Gilead, who had stolen them from the open square of Beth-Shahan where the Philistines had hanged them on the day of the, Phili the, day the Philistines struck down Saul and Gilboa. He brought up the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan and his sons from there, and they gathered the bones of those who had been hanged. In the process of, of reconciling, you need to make sure that we reveal truth, carefully reveal truth that could hurt someone else. So have mercy inside of that. Some of the verses that you will see up on the screen is Luke 6, 36. It says this, be merciful just as your father's merciful. James 2, 13 says, for judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy trump, uh, triumphs over judgment. Matthew 5, 7 says, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. So in our last few minutes, as we prepare to close, you know, I want to encourage you. If there is something in your life that is keeping the presence of God from being full in your life, matter of fact, Psalm 1611 says this, you will make known to me the path of life and in your presence is the fullness of joy and in your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. We need to earnestly seek for the presence of God in our lives. Earnestly seek for the presence of God in our lives. Because inside of that is the fullness of joy. And I have one last screen, uh, one last slide there. When we talk about seeking reconciliation, number one is individual. Individual. Look at your own life. Are there things in my life that I have not reconciled yet with someone else? Is there some hurt, some pain, something that I'm doing, some hidden sin in my life that I haven't asked God for forgiveness for? Number two, with your family. As we've talked about before, maybe something in your family, something is consistently happening in your family or something that has just dried up the happiness and the joy of your family. You're like, man, what is this? And tonight, God may have revealed that to you. And I would, I would tell you and I would advise, seek the Lord and say, Lord, can you help me help our family get back on track? Lord, what do I need to do 
to help reconcile this relationship. Number three, our church. Our church. We talked about, you know, our pastor talked about that this morning, about how God has been so faithful throughout the years and how he has blessed his church richly and and how we want to see the hand of God and the favor of God continue to be on our church. Making sure that there are not things in our lives that are hindering the spirit of God. Saying, God, I don't want it to be me. I don't want you to take your hand off us as a church. I don't want you to take your hand off what we're doing. Lord, would you quickly reveal things to me so that I can reconcile those with you and with people? Because God, we want to see you continue to move in our church and in our city. Amen? I sincerely pray that tonight, as you prepare to leave, if God has brought to your mind or the Holy Spirit has brought to your mind a relationship that you have not reconciled, I pray that as you walk out of these doors or even inside here, you are getting on the phone and saying, listen, we need to talk. I want to continue to see the favor of God, the presence of God on my life and on my family. And God has brought this to my memory. And so I want to come to you and I want to ask for forgiveness. I want to make this right between you and I because I want to be made right with God and man as much as possible. Amen? Amen. Or maybe it's something in your family. Maybe you got some family members. Maybe you have two people in your family that are at odds with each other. And God says, I want you to step in the middle. I want you to help reconcile that through the word of God. As much as possible, Live peaceably with all men. Now, I don't want to see you on WALB. <laughs> Man fights two family members at the same time. I don't want to see that. But as much as possible, live peaceably with all men. And in our, in our, in our, in our city, as you're riding around, I am so grateful for our pastor. Riding around from church to church, praying, praying and seeking the Lord for churches in our area. You know what that's doing also? He's praying for those churches, but guess what's happening? It's reconciling relationships. Any person that'll take time and pray for our church, I'll pray for them. Reconciling relationships. And not only him, other members started going to churches and praying for churches and people and neighborhoods. And look, we need to be people who honor the Lord and honor his word and be people of our word. When people think of us, they need to think this person will definitely keep their word because I know their father. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for tonight. We thank you for your word. God, I pray that during this time that you have revealed something to us that God, there may be a relationship that we haven't got righteous, a relationship that we need to reconcile. I pray that, Lord, tonight, those won't just be thoughts or words that come out of our mouths, God, but it'll be action. God, we'll get those relationships right. God, we'll make them right before you. And as a matter of fact, God, we read in Scripture, when David did all of these things, God, you brought blessings upon their kingdom. And so, Lord, we thank you 
And we're not here just for the blessing. But God, we just want to be found faithful towards you. So Father, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.